This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, June 16th, 2023. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the International Union of Food Workers, the IUF, holds its World Congress in Geneva, Switzerland. How the first Starbucks was unionized and singing. This is Radio Labor. Right-wing governments and fascists are trying to make a move across the globe. That is Mark Lauritsen, the president of the IUF, opening the Global Union's Congress on Tuesday, June 13, 2023. The IUF has more than 12 million members in countries all over the world. The range of its membership is reflected in the union's official full name, the International Union of Food, Agriculture, Hotel, Restaurant, Catering, Tobacco, and Allied Workers Associations. It is holding its 28th Congress in Geneva, Switzerland, June 13th to 16th. Before the Congress started, the IUF held conferences for women union members, LGBTI workers, and young workers. Mr. Lauritsen, the IUF president, is also the international vice president of the UFCW union in the United States. Since we last assembled here in Geneva for our Congress, our world has changed and it's changed dramatically. We've had a global pandemic that changed work and it changed work forever. We've worked in isolation or we've worked in bigger, more congested masses all during the world's pandemic. We've seen fascist movements rise across the globe, military juntas and the right wing and their constant attacks on human rights, be it in Italy, Myanmar, even in the United States or Brazil. Right wing governments and fascists are trying to make a move across the globe. And unfortunately now we're even meeting in the shadow of war. Those issues comrades make the IUF more important now than ever. A strong labor movement across this globe is the only thing that can properly push back against these right-wing forces. History has taught us over and over again that it's always been a strong labor movement to resist the fascist and the right wing. And we need to push back against those who seek to destroy the human rights across the globe. In the IUF, our Asia-Pacific office is always, always a leader in pushing back, be it in Hong Kong or Myanmar currently. They are a very proud group that knows how to push back and to maintain a struggle. Our European affiliate, FAT, working with our Italian comrades, have pushed back and are pushing back against the fascist regime. IUF Africa constantly working to promote human rights, especially for our LGBTI comrades, and they fight for them to the threat of their own safety, and they continue to push. And as I think about this, and as we start this Congress, those are the forces that we're against. And it's the IUF that's gonna push back. 
It's going to start here, and it's going to start today. The fight for our future starts here. The fight for our future starts now, today, in Geneva, Switzerland, where we will start to put together the format for the next four years while we push back against these forces that seek to destroy us and seek to destroy the lives that we want to live. That's what we're up against. But I know the IUF is up for it. Our history has proven that every challenge that has been put in front of the IUF, that challenge has always been met across this globe, fighting and working with, on transnational corporations to create space to organize. Because when we get the right to organize, that's the enabling right that allows us to have the freedoms at work that every worker in this world deserves. And so that is how we're going to start. We're going to start by knowing what we're up against, and we're going to start with the fact that we know we can win. So brothers and sisters, welcome to the Congress of the IUF, and it's a pleasure to see you, and today we will start our Congress. The delegates attending the 111th World Congress of the IUF in Geneva heard from Michelle Eisen, who helped unionize the first Starbucks in the United States. I started with Starbucks in 2010. I'm a production stage manager in the theater industry, and I needed a flexible day job that would provide me with health benefits. Enter Starbucks, a self-proclaimed progressive company that stated that they cared about the environment, the community, and their workers, or partners, as they referred to them. And for a time after I was hired, I really believed that to be the case. Fast forward to June of 2021. I, like hundreds of thousands of service workers in the U.S., worked through the bulk of the COVID pandemic in customer-facing positions, putting ourselves and our families at risk daily. And in almost all cases, the companies that we worked for completely failed us. We were called essential, but we were treated as disposable. And I was done. I didn't know where I was going, but I knew I could not continue to work for a company that so blatantly undervalued its partners. At most, I had a few months left in me. Right before I was planning to leave, I received a text from one of my fellow workers. She asked if we could meet for a coffee after one of our shifts that week, which I thought was odd because we literally serve coffee all day. But I agreed, and it was at that meeting that she asked me what I thought about the possibility of Starbucks unionizing, to which I replied I'd never thought about it. I didn't know much about organized labor, but I did know that it included very little of the service industry and even less of the fast food service industry. But in spite of that, I asked her to tell me everything she could. When I was done, I calmly explained that while I was interested, I didn't know that I would have a lot of time to commit. After all, the theater industry was opening back up post-pandemic, and I was going to be very busy with production work. But I certainly had no intention of standing in their way. Then about a week after we filed our union petition, I was called into my first anti-union meeting with corporate. We sat in a circle at a hotel conference room and listened to Ross Ann Williams, the then president of Starbucks North America, tell us that we were all partners and that the company had already given us so much, and at the same time, she was threatening us. And I saw the looks on the faces of my coworkers as we were being bullied and manipulated into voting against our best interests. And that's the moment I realized that I could not take a passive role in this fight, that not actively working against my fellow workers was not the same as standing with them. They concluded the meeting by saying they were just giving us the facts. 
and that if we wanted more information about the union, we should contact a union rep. So I raised my hand and I said, I'm one of the partner organizers and I'd be happy to answer any questions any of you may have. And there was no turning back from there. On December 9th, 2021, we won the first Starbucks union in the US at my store. Since then, our campaign has grown into a movement. As of today, we have over 320 unionized locations across the US, encompassing about 8,000 newly organized workers, with more joining every day. I've been told many times that our campaign is different, that it is unlike organizing campaigns of the past. And while that's true in some ways, it's more accurate to say that what Starbucks workers are doing is an extension of what many worker organizers throughout labor history have already done. We've been able to harness social media and video platforms to talk with workers across the country and globe, and these have been invaluable tools. But the most important lesson of our success is that the basic elements of organizing are the same as they were 100 years ago. Our movement is rooted in the, in the ability to connect with one another on a human level, through the interests we share in our workplaces and industries. Using those techniques refined from previous organizing efforts, we have created a campaign that is largely worker-led. We refer to them as partner organizers. That means workers from organized stores connecting and helping workers organize at other stores. We also play large roles in other aspects of the campaign, such as communications, broader strategy questions, and media. I mentioned earlier how little I knew about organized labor before my involvement with this campaign but that I knew it included very little of the fast food service industry. In large part, that was because it's an industry that has been long thought to be unorganizable for a multitude of reasons. Some of the most apparent being the average age of the workforce, very young, and the notoriously high turnover rate, both of which can seem like a deterrent to unions hoping to organize these workers. But I'd like to take this opportunity to remind people that there have been other industries in history that also fit this description and were also once thought to be a lost cause, but are now highly organized, meatpacking and home care industries being just two examples. Like many low-wage industries, there is a pervasive way of thinking that has been drilled into most food service workers, that the jobs are unskilled, that we don't deserve fair wages and safe working conditions, that being disrespected regularly is just part of the job, and if we don't like it, we can work somewhere else. Anybody who has ever spent a day on the floor in one of these cafes can tell you that these jobs are far from unskilled. Our labor is valuable. It brings in billions of dollars a year for Starbucks, and without our labor, the business would simply cease to exist. And the same can be said for every large corporation that makes up this industry. I hope that this movement is a small step in changing that way of thinking. Despite this overwhelmingly negative response from Starbucks and companies like them, we have found ourselves at the forefront of a new labor movement. Workers recognize their power and are choosing to stand together to demand change, not only for themselves and the situation at present, but for future workers in their industry. This generation of workers is looking to solve workplace issues for the long term. We want our industry to be a career for those who choose that, not just a stop along the way. 
By fixing the workplace issues that lead to high turnover and allowing for worker retention, we can truly create an environment where a democratic workplace can thrive, leading to a strong, lasting union. But it takes a lot of support to organize an industry like ours, and a lot of unions would consider our campaign too big a risk to take on. Fortunately for us, Workers United and SEIU have been willing to take on that challenge in the US. Our hope now is to expand this beyond the borders of our country and truly make this a global movement. The delegates at the IUF Congress were thrilled to listen to a Ukrainian choir which had traveled to Geneva to build support for the resistance fighters in their country. And that's it, labor news you can use. You can listen to our daily newscasts and features at radiolabor.net. I'm Art Belanchin. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.